guys, welcome to The Outer Pod, the podcast where kids discuss real-world problems and what we can do to solve them. Throughout this series, we will cover issues such as human overconsumption, mental health, the wealth gap, intersectionality, and more. If you find this enjoyable, then stay tuned. Eight weeks of our planet's biggest issues from the eyes of its youth. My name is Cole, and I'm here with a few of my friends from Great Expectations School, Elizabeth, Eli, and Sydney, and we're from Grand Marais, Minnesota. Today we'll be covering a very daunting topic in our world, human overconsumption of the waters. And why do a group of junior high kids care about this topic? For me personally, it's because throughout my whole life, I've always been taught that plastic in the oceans is super terrible. And then about, I'd say about six months ago, I saw a movie called Sea Spiracy, and it was about overfishing and bottom trawling and all that. And it was a documentary talking about how our oceans are getting overfished and then that just really woke something up inside me and so when we started to do this podcast I immediately signed up for this episode so I could talk about it. So I didn't watch that movie called Sea Spiracy. Everyone else here did and they really they said it was a really great movie and had some really great points and stuff. So I was kind of just interested in this topic. I really wanted to learn more about it since I didn't know that much. So I just hopped on the train and here I am. Yeah I think why I care about this most is as Cole and Sydney said, I watched that movie Sea Spiracy, and it really made me think about, like, how I could help the oceans, and it just made me want to learn more about this topic so I could help more. Watching Sea Spiracy shocked me into thinking about it more, and so, like, when Cole said we did the podcast, the opportunity just seemed right, because it was after we watched it, and it just seemed like a topic that it would be good to know more about and I knew some about it when we before even we even started the podcast so it just seemed like it fit yeah and today we're going to be talking a lot about more dire serious situations but there also is still some good things happening around the world like sustainable fishing like the Anua people of the Philippines who and they hunt for a specific species of fish during different times of the year which maintains a healthy population of all the fish, which I think is super cool. I don't know about you guys, but I've never heard of them before. Yeah, me neither. That's just one example of it, and there are many people doing this all over the world. And although there are plenty of sustainable fisheries, overfishing is still a big problem. For decades, dolphin pods were intentionally chased down and netted because of the t- yellowfin tuna that swim underneath. It wasn't until 1988 that the first ever video footage of the dolphins being captured was released. This was the first look that regular people got about tuna fisheries' impact on marine life. This was an article about bycatch from International Marine Mammal Protection. This also, the video that people saw also led people to think that the Dolphin Safe logo on their tuna could be false. Somewhat of a more modern and less intentional look at bycatch is bottom trawling, a fishing tactic that uses big nets that are dragged behind boats that catch and destroy almost everything in their path. Although it's an efficient way catching fish for profit, they also catch a large amount of other marine life. According to the Reef Conservation International, there are 250,000 loggerhead and leatherback sea turtles, 100 million sharks, and 300,000 small whales and dolphins caught and killed each year due to bycatch. Yeah, and Elizabeth, you said earlier that 100 million sharks are killed, and I was doing some research, and one of the main reasons that so many sharks are killed is for a popular Asian dish called shark fin soup, and Last year in 2022, 100 million sharks, like you said, were harvested to make this soup. And the sad thing is that the soup isn't really nutritional in any way. It's more of a status thing. And a lot of, there's a lot of soup like that over in Asia. But here in the States, there isn't, from what I've seen, there's not a lot of that 
of that dish. And so what we can do besides not eating it is be aware of the fact that if you are ever eating it, it was most likely not harvested sustainably or ethically and just spread around the, the news that's it's not good. Yeah, back to also what you were saying about bottom trawlers. They destroy like many ecosystems that are very important to our oceans, such as coral reefs, which support millions of species of marine life. And they also help healthy op- ocean food webs and protect our coastlines from waves, storms, and floods. One of the big, the biggest coral reef is in, located off the coast of Australia, and it's called the Great Barrier Reef. It is a site of remarkable beauty and variety, and though I have never been there, I know some people that have, and they said it was amazing. It contains the world's largest collection of coral, fish, and mollusk. Even this great reef is also being affected by human overconsumption, and there have been surveys done showing that pieces of plastic, even as short as like half a centimeter long, are increasing the risk of disease in coral up to 90% higher than it was. These plastics were shown to be in many of the coral reefs. I've heard somewhat about the Great Barrier Reef and how it's like slowly dying. Is there anything that people can do to help that or help prevent it going so quickly? Yeah, there are many like really easy things you can do to protect reefs, like wearing reef-friendly sunblocks so like it doesn't get in the water and mess up the reefs, and also you can conserve water. And if you live near a beach or reef or near the coast, you can volunteer to help. And not using single-use plas- single-use plastic is also very good. And that's why many countries around the world are banning, like, plastic bags, straws, and cutlery. Yeah, and like you said earlier, not only are the reefs so important to the ecosystem of the entire ocean, they're just so beautiful and such a crazy thing in nature. It's like a forest, but underwater, and it has hundreds of different colors. And it's really sad when they die because it turns into a gray, dead, it almost looks like a city under the water. There's this one really cool organization that's going around the oceans protecting marine wildlife and it's called Sea Shepherd. They have a website online. It's just, I think you can just type in Sea Shepherd and it'll be the first thing that pops up. But it's really cool on the website. It talks about how they, uh, their engagement of other ships, if they find a, if they find a ship doing illegal things out of their zone. A fishing boat gets assigned a certain area that they're allowed to go and they can't just roam all of the oceans of the world to catch fish. They have borders, but a lot of the time they'll go past those to try to get more fish but they're not allowed to do that. Another cool thing that Sea Shepherd did was over the past five years, they have assisted law enforcers and partner governments as they arrested dozens of vessels, resulting in numerous successful prosecutions. And these efforts increase monetary recoveries from their partners and reduce subsequent maritime crimes and helped restore fish populations, which is really cool. And I think, Eli, you had something to talk about enslaved people on ships. I was just going to say one other thing that the Sea Shepherds do is they try and save enslaved people on ships. And why, how, how would these enslaved people become enslaved on these ships? And one of the things that these commercial fishing vessels do is they... They offer lots of money for people's pay, and then they end up just enslaving them, and no one gets paid at all. And one other thing about enslaved people is I know in a lot of cocoa farms and coffee farms, there are a lot of enslaved people, and one thing you can do about that is buying fair trade things. And according to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights article, Four, no one shall be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all their forms. 
So it's just, I think these people know it's illegal, but they're just doing it for the money. Yeah, and because they won't get caught because they're just chilling in the middle of the ocean and they're like, who's going to find us? Yeah. Sea Shepherd can't be everywhere. Yeah, that's, so. that, that's one of the hard things is there's, this is just one organization. And I think that we need a lot more monitoring of the oceans if we want to really fix this problem. Did you say that a lot of the like illegal fishing that goes on like the middle of the night where no one can no one really knows about it? So it's really hard for even Sea Shepherd to find those people? Yeah, they'll cross over their zones that they're allowed to fish in in the middle of the night when the patrol boats can't see them and then they'll slip out right before dawn or something like that after they've caught in their fish. And so it, it's really hard to stop that from happening. Some of our listeners might be wondering, Eli, where did you get the information about the enslaved people? Yeah, according to the PNAS study published, found as many as 100,000 people are estimated to work on these ships. And I think that's just really sad how many people are actually working on these ships. Not even working, just being forced. Yeah. Going back to bycatch, I bet you guys are wondering, like, why there aren't people on the ships like monitoring them to see if they're overfishing or not or if they're killing dolphins on like for no reason there were these people on the ship they were called observers but they have some pretty bad history eli do you want to talk about that yeah the observers were being murdered and bribed on these ships so that no one knew if bycatch was being produced yeah and a lot of the time the observers because the captain of the ship has to produce a log and it would look suspicious if one of the observers just magically disappeared so a lot of the time they would put on their log this person like fell into the ocean on accident or got sick which is just messed up i think after doing all the research for this episode do you guys think that you're going to make any changes in your daily life yeah i think that i've recently stopped eating as much ocean fish recently because i know that it might be unsustainably fished. I don't know if I'm making any like big changes, but I think I am being more conscious about what I buy and like, I'll look and I'll be like, oh, does it have a dolphin safe seal on it? What does that mean? Is this accurate? Just those things really. Yeah, it's the little things. Also up here on the North Shore, we're pretty far away from any ocean, so the seafood doesn't affect us as much, but we are right next to Lake Superior and I actually did, me and my dad talked to some local fishermen about how they fish the lake and they said it's pretty sustainable which i think is good because that means it's not bad to eat fish like at the angry trout or something because we can know that it was fished sustainably but if you are if you go on vacation or if i go on vacation or something like that i'll know if i'm eating seafood i'll think about it or i might just not even eat it yeah i think most locally fished seafood is usually sustainable Mostly probably because those people just don't have access to... Giant boats. It's not really commercial fishing. It's Uh just for like local, small, one restaurant type thing. It's usually like big corporations that are doing it unsustainably with all like the bycatch and bottom trawlers and stuff. Thanks for listening to an episode of The Otter Pod. We hope you've not only learned something, but feel inspired to make a difference. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and share. See you next time.